Hi, everyone. Welcome back to On Our Shelves, the podcast. I'm Annabelle. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to episode five of the podcast. In this episode, we'll be chatting about Persuasion by Jane Austen. And before we get started, we have a little announcement to make. This month, we are participating in December's annual fundraising campaign. December is a nonprofit that partners with leading organizations to dismantle human trafficking from every angle prevention, intervention, and protection of survivors. We'll be wearing a dress every day in December to raise awareness for human trafficking, and we will also be raising money for the December Foundation to use for grants. We hope that you will join us in fighting human trafficking by donating, sharing information, and or wearing a dress or tie. The information will be on our Instagram bio. Find us at on.our.shelves. Thank you for your support. And now that you know all about our December campaign, let's get to what we're really here for, which is our discussion about persuasion. And we just want to note that we have actually never discussed this at length with each other because I just read this last week and I've kept my opinions to myself. So you'll be listening to us discuss persuasion basically for the first time together. Yep. Coming at you live. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to go down because we have not solidified our opinions. Like and I, Annabelle apparently has a hot take that I'm not going to enjoy. So yes, I do get have ready for it. a hot take. So maybe there'll be some arguing, which there was some in the previous episode, but it'll just continue. <laughs> so let's get started. Okay. So a brief plot overview. Again, does Jane Austen have plot? No. Not really. But anyway, so what happens is Anne Elliot is our heroine and she and like now Captain Wentworth, but we'll just refer to him as Wentworth, were engaged when she was 19. So that's eight years before the book starts. And they're like very, very in love and it's very cute. And then her family and Lady Russell, who is her late mother's best friend, opposes the engagement very strongly because they're like, he's not good enough for you. And they persuade Uh titular persuasion. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> bringing out the titular already. And they persuade Anne to break it off. And then Wentworth is a sad boy and he goes to war because he's in the Navy and also he's just sad. And then now it's eight years later. So Anne is like a spinster, wallflower, whatever you want to yeah, call her. Spinster. Yeah. And he's like hot shit coming back from the Navy with a lot of money. And they both are so awkward around each other because circumstances and mutual acquaintances and like this weird situation where Wentworth's sister moved into Anne's house because Anne's family like spends way too much money. So they're renting the house out. Yeah. So they're renting the house. Wentworth's sister's sister and her husband. Yeah. Anyway. Very convoluted. Yes. Anne is still in the neighborhood and like they're all buds like the people that she's living with which is her sister and her sister's family so they're all buds with Wentworth and the Crofts which is Wentworth's sister's family so they're all buds and they have to see each other again and there's just like a lot of angst and pining and And, like longing glances across the room towards Mm -hmm. each other and awkward conversations where you know they're like oh we can't be alone together because it's awkward Yeah, and also, like, no one knows because the people who broke off the engagement, so that's Anne's older sister, Elizabeth, her father, Sir Walter Elliot, and Lady... Really? I thought it was Walter. I thought it was William. Anyway, William or Walter, whichever. Whatever. 
and Lady Russell are all like in Bath. So And her little sister Mary, who she's staying with, was away at school when this whole thing went down. So she has no clue that they even know mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. So that's the overall plot. Now we'll get into the characters just a little bit more. So most of the characters don't really stand very well on their own. It's more how they interact with Anne and Wentworth's love story. So Anne Elliot is our main character, our main gal, and she's the middle child and she's kind of quiet and her whole family is basically very mean to her for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of like does whatever she thinks is best. Sometimes that is going along with her family. Yeah, she is one of my favorite. I feel like you should talk about Anne because she's your favorite. Okay, she's not my absolute favorite. She's my second favorite. But I just love how she's 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 just kind of Yeah, she's very kind and she like takes people's bullshit like not in like a negative way though like it's hard to explain where she like works through it as opposed to like getting super jaded but also she doesn't just like straight up like she does things out of the goodness of her heart like Mm -hmm. when her sister is like fake sick or when that kid like broke his shoulder and she was like oh I'll like go fix him Or when Louisa fell, hit her head or whatever, and she was the one who was like, okay, like, this needs to get done. I'll be the nurse. I'll do this. Like, make sure Mary's taken care of. Make sure all this other stuff. Like, she's just very kind. And I think that that's really admirable. Moving on. So then we have Elizabeth Elliot, who is the eldest sister. She's very focused on titles, very focused on status in society, and she's also unmarried, and she's kind of annoying. She's like a spinster, but she hasn't really embraced it. Yeah, and then there's Mary, Mary Musgrove. She's the youngest sister. She is married. She has children, and she is also kind of obsessed with status, but only, I feel like, in like a... A more familial way. Yeah, in a different way than Elizabeth is, because I think Elizabeth is still like, it's to be seen by society in a good way, and then Mary's like, just marry someone rich. Yeah. The end. And Mary is like... Very dramatic. Yeah, a more annoying version of Mr. What's-His-Face from Emma. Mr. Woodhouse? Mr. Mr. Woodhouse, yeah. Like, she's a hypochondriac, I think the word is. Yeah. Okay, so other members of the family, we have Sir William Elliot, so I don't know if that's his name. It could be Walter. We should just look it up. We're going to call him Daddy Elliot. Daddy Elliot. As we have with previous father figures. (laughs) Yeah. So this man is also, like... Well, I don't guess, I guess he's the the blueprint for the rest of his family, but he's obsessed with his title, with looking at his like genealogy. The first lines of the book is literally how the genealogy book of the Elliots is Daddy Elliot's favorite book. So that's what kind of describes his character for you. Like he's very extravagant. He loves his title. He loves his status. Basically, he'll do anything to get a higher status. Also, this man spends a lot. And that's why they have to move to Bath. Yeah. Because literally he cannot control himself when they're living in their fancy house. So they have Mm -hmm. to downsize to a house in Bath where they can be fancy but on a budget. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have to have the extra income from renting their house out, basically. The other man in the family is the cousin, Mr. Elliot, who in the beginning of the novel, he basically got like ostracized, I guess, from the rest of the Elliots because he married this rich girl, but her money came from trade or something. Like it was looked down upon. So he like wasn't really on speaking terms with the Elliots and he shows up later on in the novel and tries to woo Anne, his cousin, but it'd be like that back then. 
Spoiler alert, he is trash. Yes. It kind of gets gets revealed to us in a very, very clunky way. So basically, it's revealed to us that Mr. Elliot is absolute garbage because Anne goes to visit her old school friend who is in Bath. Anne goes to visit her like a few times in Bath and then near the end of the novel, her friend, I think her name is Miss Mrs. Smith, is like, oh, Anne, I'm so excited for your engagement. And Anne's like, what? What engagement? <laughs> And she's like, you know, everyone's talking about it, like you and Mr. Elliot. And then Anne's like, oh, I don't know, probably not. I'm kind of into someone else, you know, Wentworth, but she doesn't say that. And then Mrs. Smith is like, oh my God, I'm so happy you said that because I have to spill the tea, basically. And she just tells her this really tragic story about how her husband had died and her husband was best friends with Mr. Elliot. And Mr. Elliot had convinced her husband to start spending on the same level basically as Mr. Elliot even though they didn't have the same income and so when Mrs. Smith's husband died he died in a lot of debt and that caused Mrs. Smith to also go into a lot of debt because you know she couldn't pay it off herself and Mr. Elliot was the person who was in charge of like yeah, he's the, he's like the, of the will. person who is in charge of basically paying off all the debts and like helping settle everything with his will and he was like yeah no thanks and literally just like left Mrs. Smith to be in debt and poor and unable to claim any possible property or income that she could. So that's revealed. And then it's also revealed that the only reason why he came to visit the Elliots and rekindle their relationship is because he's scared that Daddy Elliot was going to potentially get remarried. And obviously if he had another child and that child turned out to be a son, then that son would inherit the Elliot estate and title. And Mr. Elliot was supposed to inherit that because he's the next man in line. And so he didn't want that threat. So he came to investigate if that threat was really there. And also if he got married to Anne, he could inherit before another male child was born, right? I think so. Either way, he wanted to firmly place his claim hmm. on his inheritance that is why he even came back into the Elliot's lives. Like he was already super rich, but he just wanted the title, that extra, you know, clout. So no free clout. Yeah. And it's revealed to us basically like all the way at the end and in a large block of text. And that's like, honestly, the only reason why Mrs. Smith was introduced Loki. So <laughs> that's that. That's a, a bit of a criticism. Which is why I thought that was the only time that she actually was like introduced. That's the only because... time she's important. Yeah. That and like the few times that Anna's like, oh, I'm not going to go do this thing with you and Countess Dalrymple. And then the other really important characters are a couple of the Musgroves. So we already talked about Mary, who is Anne's younger sister, and she married Charles Musgrove, who I would define him as a himbo. I think because, you know, Charles Bingley is also kind of a himbo, like we said. So I think Jane knew, knew a Charles like that is my personal opinion because all characters that she named Jane in her books were just like these perfect people. So they probably were named after her. Anyway, <laughs> quick backtrack on that. So Charles Musgrove is just like a really nice dude who married Mary. And there's this really interesting aspect where Charles actually proposed to Anne before he proposed to Mary. And Anne was like, I can't, I'm in love with someone else, which was Wentworth. And then the other Musgrove that's important is Louisa Musgrove. There's another sister and also the parents, but Louisa's the one that Frederick Wentworth, Captain Wentworth, as it were, he flirts with Louisa 
to basically be like, I don't love Anne, but really he does. And there becomes this like, like people expect them to get married and he's like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, that's not what I wanted. Because also Louise is like a kid. She's 17. Yeah. So yeah, so that was that was a lot of the angst and drama. But those are really the important characters. Okay, but the last important character that we didn't really discuss is Lady Russell. Basically, she's Anne's godmother, I believe. And she wants what's best for Anne, but more in terms of status than love. And they have a really close relationship, so Anne trusts everything that Lady Russell says. Mm -hmm. She really values her opinion, which is why she got persuaded to break off the engagement with Wentworth in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and now she regrets it. Yeah, and now Anne is in sad boy hours and does not listen to Lady Russell anymore. At least not about uh, Wentworth. Okay, I'm ready for your hot take. Okay. So I know you like Anne a lot, but I think Anne is a female Edward Ferris. <laughs> no! Annabelle! No! No! Yes. Here's my reasons why. So she kind of lets her family tell her what to do. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of goes for it. And like, she does not really oppose them in any instance. And she always like does things for them to her own detriment, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when Louisa gets hurt, mm-hmm. Mary makes a big fuss about how she needs to be the one to stay and take care of Louisa, even though Anne seems like she would be more capable to take care of Louisa. Mm-hmm. And Mary makes a big fuss. And in the end, Anne does get sent with Wentworth and Harriet to go, you know, communicate the knowledge that Louisa is hurt mm-hmm. so like that is an example and then what really like solidified this for me was when mrs smith was telling her story mm-hmm. there was like internal dialogue that Anne had that was like i could see myself getting persuaded by lady russell to accept mr elliot's engagement and i was like girl did you learn nothing <sighs> and i don't know if she ever tells them about mr elliot so it's just kind of like things like that and how she lets her family kind of step on her and she's like just like does whatever they say usually like she does sometimes do things that she wants like when she goes to visit mrs smith but like wow you went to go visit mrs smith instead of going to a concert with countess dalrymple you really showed them so that's why i feel like she's kind of an edward ferris okay not like okay. fully but like kind of <laughs> okay So I will try to address your points one by one. So first, to the point where you were like, she doesn't really actively do anything. Like, I think that's kind of the point. Like, with the problem with Edward Ferris is that in Regency England, he literally had the power to do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. And he didn't. And has like very little money, no real connections outside of her family. Like what is she supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, I understand No no why. real education. I understand why she got persuaded initially, but it's just like when she said that she could see herself getting persuaded to accept Mr. Elliot's proposal mm-hmm. that I was like, girl, you are super old and you know that you like Wentworth and that Wentworth likes you. Why would you even think to accept Mr. Elliot? Mm-hmm. Like Without the knowledge that he was trash, like, what would have happened? Mm -hmm. See, I don't remember that part. Okay, bring me some receipts. So Mrs. Smith is talking about how bad Mr. Elliot and his wife's engagement was. Mm -hmm. And then the next line is, Anne could just acknowledge within herself such a possibility of having been induced to marry him as made her shudder at the idea of the misery which must have followed. It was just possible that she might have been persuaded by Lady Russell. And under such supposition, which would have been the most miserable when time had disclosed all too late. 
Mm-hmm. So she, she literally says it was possible that she could have been persuaded by Lady Russell to get married to mm-hmm. him and it would have been miserable and then the information would have come too late. Yeah, I do think it is valuable, though, that she recognizes that. Like being yeah. like she's very self-aware. I don't know. When she said that, I was like, oh, my God, like, thank God you got this information because otherwise, what would she have done if they had tried <laughs> to do this? Because they would have eventually done that if she didn't, you know, get engaged to Wentworth in like the next two chapters. Mm-hmm. And then she says that she's going to tell Lady Russell but I don't think she does because I think when she goes to tell her there's other people there Mm. so I'm unsure unclear if she ever does actually expose him (laughs) so that was a line that really I was like oh god and then wait what was your what was your other point just that she kind of lets her family walk all over her and tell her what to do and that she's Mm -hmm. always like kind of bends to their will Mm mm-hmm so my, I have two points about that. My first point is that, again, like, what is she going to do? Like, if your family is mean to you, like, what are you going to do? Just say no? Like, she's completely at the whim of either her older sister and father, who are kind of two peas in a pod, or she's at the whim of her other sister. Again, she doesn't have the agency to be like, um, no, this isn't my kid. Stop spending money. But the thing money. is, like, she, sometimes she will offer solutions basically to her family Mm -hmm. just to like appease them like she'll be like no i'll do it or no i'll go for it and i'm like what girl yeah and like stop like just like letting them get away with it but at the same time i feel like there's power in like doing that in being like that person who tries to fix things like it's a wreck on mental health let's be honest yeah well that's what i'm saying like i just wish she had a little bit more self-respect to i'm not saying she needs to like fight or go against her family yeah I just wish that she didn't just like let them always get what they want kind mm-hmm. of thing. Someone needs to hold them on a leash basically. Yeah. And I don't mean that like she needs to step up and be that person, but like she needs mm-hmm. to I guess stand her ground a little mm-hmm. bit more. I don't know. I guess I just also I don't think that that's necessarily her responsibility and what she did was she made a situation that was like very untenable for her into one that was relatively conflict free and again that's not saying that that's like the ideal like I personally will apologize to anyone for anything even if it's not my fault and I don't feel bad so it's like I see where she's coming from in that and like I think that that's it can be a powerful tool but the reason why I don't think she's my favorite or that I think I mentioned this once where I think being a mix of Elizabeth Bennett and Anne Elliot is like the ideal mm-hmm. is because Elizabeth does have more of that like self-respect and that bite but she's also slightly aggressive and very full of herself whereas Anne Elliot is kind and tries to help people and is very smart and caring but she does have those issues with just like basic self-respect basically because everyone's shit on her her entire life yeah so basically I felt bad for her like pretty much the whole time I was reading it. Yeah. But I really respect how she was able to move through it. Yeah. And I I do like that, you know, in the end, like even though she knew her family's opinions on Wentworth, she Mm -hmm. still was like, I'm not going to let them control who I love. Like if I clearly Mm -hmm. love someone, like I'm going to be with them. Mm -hmm. But there was just little moments here and there where I was just like, please like have a little bit more of a backbone. Yeah. Like I don't dislike her because like I really 
dislike Edward Ferris, but Mm -hmm. I don't dislike Anne. It was just like, she has moments where I was like, oh God, (laughs) this kind of seems like a female version (laughs) of that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have an answer for what I think she should have done better because I think if she like took it upon herself to be more like Eleanor and take control of her family and like do everything for them, I still think that would have been bad. Yeah. So I I don't necessarily even know, like Anne has a different personality than pretty much any of the other Austin heroines that we've talked about. Because if you group them, I would say like Elizabeth Bennet and Eleanor Dashwood are kind of like similar and Emma's in that sphere. Yeah. Even though it's not as exact of a match and then like Catherine also even put Marianne kind of in the sphere with Elizabeth Mm -hmm. and Eleanor but like that's true like if we're doing like a Venn diagram I think Marianne would be the middle part between like Catherine Moreland and Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Bennett and Eleanor that's fair because she does have a bath yeah Yeah. she has a backbone but she's also dumb yeah but completely outside of the Venn diagram I feel like is Anne Elliot or like I guess Jane Jane Bennett is kind yeah, of I guess but I feel like Jane is not as like traumatized as Anne Elliot yeah no I think it's valid it's just that was my like little hot take I was like oh no <laughs> I know how much take. Sarah loves Anne I do love Anne but kind of going off that you said that you weren't sure about how you felt about Wentworth and I kind of really like Wentworth yeah so okay my thing about Wentworth like I definitely don't think he's like bad but I don't like basically the whole story where he's just like he doesn't just talk to her he just flirts with Louisa and then he's so dumb because flirting like that definitely means that like you're going to get married Mm -hmm. and then at the end he's just like ah fuck and then he just left because he was just like, oh, maybe if I just Didn't leave. Did he leave while Louisa was like unconscious? Yeah. He just left because he was like, ah, shit, they think I'm going to marry her. So basically, I just think he's dumb. And like, it's I just think he fine. acted, you know, kind of petty. Yeah. Which is, I guess, valid when someone dumps you. <laughs> yeah. And then he said he was too embarrassed or not embarrassed. Like he was embarrassed and scared to write to her again to ask again Mm -hmm. so I feel like when they first meet and he's like flirting with Louisa and he is kind of like not really talking to Anne Mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like it it, it's it makes sense that he would be petty like that it does but also I'm like that's "Mm." the girl that made you hurt and he's like you know what (laughs) time to inflict some pain yeah I will say that the letter oh the letter so good okay since I have the yeah read read the letter Annabelle I'm half agony, half hope. Please tell me I am not too late. That your heart has not something, something, something. It kind of reminds me of the Gettysburg Address. Oh my god. <laughs> four, four score. <laughs> no, no, with the, with the, with the like, and this great country shall not perish from this earth. Oh god. Like that kind of, like it has the same vibe. <laughs> Just like very dramatic. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> Oh, okay, here we okay, go. I, I got it. Out. No, no, no. I got it. <laughs> I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by such a means as with our, within my reach. You pierce my soul. Ugh. I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not I am too late, that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. 
Unjust I may have been, weak and resentful I have been, but never inconstant. You alone have brought me to Bath, for you alone I think and plan. Have you not seen this? Can you fail to have understood my wishes? I had not waited even these ten days, could I have read your feelings, as I think you must have penetrated mine. I can hardly write. I am in every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, but I can distinguish the tones of the voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. You do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating in FW. I must go, uncertain of my fate, but I shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible. A word, a look will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or never uh, <laughs> i think it really it, it gets me when he goes you pierce my soul Not you my pierce soul. my soul oh I just, my god and uh, I, I do love the first the first let the first line after this is such a letter was not to be soon recovered from and it's like uh, yeah <laughs> true you pierce my soul i am half agony half hope uh, oh the angst the angst just like goes right but also, right he acknowledges that he has been dumb yeah that he's been petty yeah also i offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight and a half years ago i have loved none but you okay unjust i may have been weak and resentful i have been but never inconstant i i think he makes up for his pettiness he d- with just this the fucking letter, letter. oh and my also god the freaking concert scene <laughs> See, okay, but that was still petty. It was just the music. It wasn't petty. Mr. Elliot was trying to hog her attention, and he got jealous. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he has some Scorpio in him. I'm <laughs> sensing that Scorpio energy, bringing astrology into this. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. So, I don't like dislike him. I think mm-hmm. he's fine. And his letter is, which honestly, what truly sells me on him. That's true. I I agree. You pierce my soul. I'm half agony, half hope. I feel like we've discussed, maybe not discussed this, but touched on this, but the theme of persuasion is very heavy within this book because obviously people are persuading Anne left and right. What is the moral of persuasion? Honestly, I feel like it's like duty to your family, but you know, if you love someone, I guess. But even then, I'm pretty sure Anne is like, you know, I am grateful that I was persuaded against marrying Wentworth when I was because, I don't know, that solidified my love or some nonsense like that. I don't know. Yeah. But also it like solidified his place. Yeah. Like in society. Yeah. So I think part of it is duty to your family on some level. Mm -hmm. Because I think everything that Anne does when she is, you know, bending to her family's will and like trying to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is presented in a positive light. I don't know. I feel like constancy, I think that's a moral of persuasion as well. Since they both mm-hmm. were, like, in love with each other for the eight years, too. And also they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do I don't all. know. I don't know if I love that moral, but... But maybe it's like, if you don't like, uh, give like up commit- yeah. whatever you you want, then it'll... What's that the saying? That's like, if you love something, you need to like, let, let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Let it, and yeah, if they love you, they'll, they'll come, come back, back to you or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it's like that kind of thing. Where yeah. it's like, she was forced to let him go. And like, mm-hmm. obviously they were forced to, to be apart. And clearly they did really love each other and they ended up back together. One criticism I have, though, is that like, we know that they love each other because we are told that they love each other, but you could never really see like why. Like we never really got the background. Like was Anne just like super nice? Was Wentworth like funny? Like what was the, how did they first fall in love? 
like but and I why that is a, a valid criticism but honestly I, this one is all about the angst it really is about the angst it's about the pining yeah it really angst. goes hard <laughs> it's about you know reading into things that happened yeah trying to figure out what the other person feels mm-hmm. but honestly i vibed with it anytime they were like in the same room and they had like a really awkward interaction i was losing it oh my god i loved it so going off that how are we ranking wentworth in the austin men so first of all is darcy or knightley number one or do you have a completely different number one I swear, if you say Tilney right now, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Tilney is not a fucking option, Annabelle. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is. No, he's not. Okay, I think. <laughs> okay, sorry, I strong armed you into that one. I will accept Tilney no, with no, no. with prejudice, but I will accept it. I was just, I was just saying that. I was like, do I want to stir the pot or not? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to say Mr. Darcy is my number one. Then Knightley, mm-hmm. then then Wentworth for me. It's either Tilney or Wentworth, but mm, see, I still don't like Tilney. Yeah, we already established that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm thinking really hard. I feel like I'm going to have to say Tilney for now, just mm-hmm. because I've sat with him for longer. You know, <laughs> I, I've known him for longer, and I've only known Wentworth for like a week. Mm. I think I need to really, I need to really, you know, sit with this new knowledge and think about it. Mm-hmm. But I think below Tilney, it would be Wentworth. But also, I can't rank Colonel Brandon that low. I, I can. Know, I know he I is, just don't I, care about, I don't care about him at all. Taking away the whole Marianne is 17 thing, just, you know, just taking Marianne out of the equation, period. Yeah. I think he's very nice. He's so sweet. And he's like, still just wet blanket. He has no spice. Yeah, but he's so wholesome. Not even and he's like been cinnamon. So much. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to rank Colonel Brandon that high though because I always forget about him. Yeah, exactly. I would rank him. But like, I I don't want to put him next to Edward Ferris. Like, no. No, I know. Are we rating Bingley too? Oh, jeez. I don't. Let's not. No, rank No, let's Bingley. do. Let's do like quote unquote meme then. So then we don't even have to think about Colonel Brandon. Yeah, Edward Ferris is bottom. Okay, yeah, he's bottom. And we still don't know about the Mansfield Park. Sorry, yeah. guys. I'm not going to lie, though. I feel like he's going to be at the bottom. I feels like that, too. But maybe that's just my opinions based on the movie that I watched and did not like. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. So I think I'm going to rank Wentworth fourth. Mm-hmm. I said my Wentworth is third, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't really know how I feel about Wentworth, but he's still third. So that goes to show you how much I like Austin's men. Mm-hmm. But also, sometimes they use their words, and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> men who, who use words. <laughs> so. Damn. <laughs> that really gets me. <laughs> <laughs> really does. Oh, should we rank Anne? Mm-hmm. One, Elizabeth. Yep. Two. Anne is my number two. Emma is my number two. Three, Eleanor. Yep, three, Eleanor is my third, too. Four, Anne. Four, Emma. Actually, no, no, no. Four, Catherine Morland. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I'm not taking that one back. Oh, gosh. Annabelle, I just disagree. I feel like you don't, ha- ha- you don't have to change like, your mind. I feel I'm not like Catherine Morland you is, it. like, that POV is, like, Marianne's POV, basically. Yeah. 
don't, I, don't I like think Catherine Morland is, you know, she's a good egg. You're on to the wrong crowd. <laughs> okay. So, Catherine Morland fourth for me. Okay. And then Anne fifth. Okay. I'm sorry. Catherine Morland is five for me. And Emma. Emma is four? Yeah. Except for I really like Emma. We've started to have differing opinions. Yeah. I don't like it. What is the world when we don't have the exact same thought at every single minute? <laughs> it's in shambles. It really is. <laughs> If we're not the same person, then who are we? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know. Okay. How did Benwick and Louisa get together? That's a plot hole for me. So for the folks out there who don't know, Louisa, who everyone thought was going to get married to Wentworth because Wentworth was flirting really hard, she cracked her head open or whatever and was in a coma. (laughs) Casually. Oops. Well, she was like jumping from from the rocks and something. I don't know. It was yeah, it was like was a, a thing. But anyway, so she's injured, and then Wentworth just yeets, and then Benwick, who is just like a sad poetry man because he lost his Literally. fiance, but he spent time with Louisa while she was recovering, and then they had some of those shenanigans where they're like, "Louisa's getting married," and then Anne was like, "Oh no, to Frederick," and they're like. No, bitch, to Benwick. And then she was like, okay. Honestly, I adored Benwick. (laughs) I thought he was so funny. Mm -hmm. But but Kim getting with Louisa, that made absolutely zero sense. Yeah, like we knew that something had to happen with Louisa so Wentworth didn't get conned into a marriage. But... There wasn't really any buildup. Yeah. It just but, like, was announced later yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one criticism that we can have of Jane Austen. Well, there are lots, but like one criticism that I've had of multiple is that she like gets through most of the book and then she's like, you know, we're just going to wrap this up. And then she just does whatever the hell she wants and is like, okay, yep, it's done. Even if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I feel like part of it is like everyone needs to get married who is yeah. single which is probably like a product of the times where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, someone has to get married. So Benwick it is. And like, mm-hmm. this is going to happen off screen. So we don't see it happen. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's probably one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it does annoy me. Yeah. Like, why couldn't Louisa like hypothetically meet someone in a year or two and then get married? Why does she have to get married at the end of the book? She's still mm-hmm. so young. You could always do worse than an emo poetry man. Uh, I loved him. It's just like, character-wise, they felt very incompatible. Yeah. It felt like a Colonel Brandon Marianne, where it's like, depressed old man sees like- But he wasn't even old. I know, but it's still like, okay, depressed man, taking out the adjective old, sees like the flower of youth and lost love in a young woman and then decides to marry her. Oh lord, now that you say that, maybe that is what happened because he is an emo poetry man. Yeah, exactly. I thought maybe they just vibed somehow. I mean, maybe they did, but I do think that, like, I don't know. that I had like an aspect of it. We don't see Louisa's character very much outside of her being potentially with Wentworth. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like for this book, one of my criticisms is that a lot of the characters felt very surface level like their only purpose was to serve the plot basically Mm -hmm. the plot being the relationship between Anne and Wentworth yeah like they only served as like drivers of angst and like nothing else really like even Mrs. Smith she was nothing except for just like the info dump machine for why Mr. Elliot sucks yeah and that's also kind of an issue I have with this one is that just like Mr. Elliot being bad was just kind of told to us. Yeah, I don't really necessarily to know see him being bad. Yeah, but did Mr. Elliot even need to be bad for this story no. to work? 
I don't think so. I think it would have made sense for him just to re-enter the Elliot's lives, just to make sure that his inheritance is safe. Like, that mm-hmm. would make sense for his character. Yeah. But, like... Like, it was a little bit know. overkill to make him, like, a really horrific person. Like, he could just be annoying. But I feel like that's, like, a trope that is in Jane Austen's works where it's like the man that they almost get married to is actually trash. Yeah. Because you have Wickham, Willoughby, Churchill, slash Elton, and Thorpe. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a trope, so maybe that's why. Yeah. But maybe that's just, like, how it was back then. I haven't really read a lot of other books of the similar genre from that time period, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's just a trope. Yeah. I mean... I guess this like, isn't exactly the same period, but like Jane Eyre, it's not. But that's I guess like it, it is kind of like it. That's like a completely but, different yeah. movement, though. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It's like You're right. the main guy is supposed to be bad. Yeah. And also the other guy was also bad. Yeah. So maybe you'll have to investigate and read more of like similar books from the same time period. Yeah. It's at least a trope within Jane Austen's writing. So yeah. But either way, my criticism is that I felt like a lot of the characters within this, like I don't really care about any of them. None of them were that personally memorable. Like I think of Emma where every single character, like I loved them. I hated Mm -hmm. them. Like, yeah, you identified with them. Yeah. Like I had strong feelings and I remembered every single character and I felt like they all existed outside of the story versus Mm -hmm. like, these characters, I felt like they just kind of were there. Yeah. And then they like did their thing and then they left. It felt like they only ever existed to be drivers of angst for this relationship. Yeah. And like I if would you agree. try to think of an instance where they weren't that, like you can't think of one. That's true. Because yeah. all of them were pretty much caricatures. Like no one had like a, a Miss Bates moment. Yeah. I feel like at least some of them need to be memorable. And at this point, like none of them are memorable. Yeah. I like, mean. They had like one little bullet point under each of them. And like that was it. Some of the ones, like we couldn't remember their names. You literally just read this like a week ago. Also, now that we think about it, Walter or William Elliot, like we literally do not remember Daddy <laughs> Elliot's name. Like, So Jane Austen, I have words to say with you about this book. Yeah, okay. It's not so, your strongest. I think it's her strongest relationship, but it's not her strongest no. in general. No. I think Emma Knightley was a st- really strong relationship. Okay, yeah. That we saw them interact so frequently. I feel like this one, they interact only in like a very awkward way, the way you do when you yeah. like don't really know where you stand with someone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've changed my mind. It's a consistently building friends to lovers. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a second chance romance and Prime Prejudice is hate to love. She really just came at us with the tropes, though. Yeah, she was like, every single romance trope, I'm gonna give you one. <laughs> I did enjoy this one. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's an enjoyable read, but, like, I, just, I don't... I don't think it's her strongest. Yeah, I would agree. I do want to talk about one more topic, which I, mm-hmm. we also have not discussed, which is there's a really strong dichotomy in this book between love and status. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on it. So just basically for an example, so Anne loves Wentworth, but her family and Lady Russell are like, no, you can't marry him because status. Mary is not obsessed with love, but like her status is within the role as a caretaker i would say Mm -hmm. even though she functionally is not a caretaker like that's still the role that she wants to pursue and that's based more in love whereas elizabeth focuses so much on her monetary status but like who's happier so i just think that there's an interesting dynamic between that and i am wondering what your thoughts are i do agree that mary and elizabeth have very different approaches to how they feel about status 
and kind of going back to the moral, I still do feel like the moral is keeping status in a way because Wentworth, when he proposes the second time, like no one opposes their marriage because he's mm-hmm. already rich. Yeah. So like, okay. But originally when he was not rich, she got persuaded out of the marriage. Yeah. But here's the question. Does Jane Austen, does she endorse the status? Because basically she treats Elizabeth, Daddy Elliot, and Mr. Elliot as just like obnoxious gold diggers and mary while she's obnoxious like she still has like there's still she still kind of has a positive spin on her and Mm -hmm. Anne, like kind of what i've been saying like her whole shtick is being kind and loving towards pretty much all her family even when they're trash to her and Anne is definitely the most sympathetic character in the book Mm-hmm. So there's also Benwick. You think he's a super sympathetic character in this book. And his whole thing is being emo poet because his fiance died. So it's it's all about like the love. And also mm-hmm. even when you look at like the Crofts, like they're clearly in love. Mm-hmm. And the Harvilles, like they also are in love. And even the Musgroves, not Mary and Charles, but the parents, like you can tell that they are also in love. So it's like there's this weird dynamic where actually are they Musgrove? I still feel like Charles and Mary Musgrove like I feel Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're in love but I feel like they have a affection yes for each other and I do agree that Mary's love language I guess Mm -hmm. is making sure that herself and everyone around her still has their like status in terms of like you know she wants she doesn't want Henrietta to marry whatever his name is Charles Hayter because he's like not rich enough Mm-hmm. Like she like just cares about their well-being. Yeah. I think Mary is happy in her own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I And I feel like Elizabeth that. is unhappy and only yeah. cares about like how other people view her. Yeah. And even though Anne was unhappy without Wentworth, she still was like living a fulfilling life, mm-hmm. arguably, yeah. because of the care that she showed to other people. So I would argue that Jane Austen is making a point about love and caring and family and all that fun stuff in saying that like status isn't everything. Yeah. Even if it is important. I think it's it's kind of balancing status and love because Mm -hmm. the people who are too obsessed with status are always portrayed in a very, very negative light. And Mm -hmm. even Darcy, who on some level was kind of like upset, maybe not obsessed with status, but like held that over Elizabeth and her family. Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of like Elizabeth rejects him because he's being like that. And only when he stops acting like that, does she fall in love with him. So I feel like you can respect status and respect duty to your family, but mm-hmm. you can't let that be your entire personality and you can't yeah. let that stop you from being a good and caring person. Yeah. And also that if you're obsessed with money like that and obsessed with your status like that, your life is not going to be good. Because mm-hmm. think of like Wickham, think of like the Thorpes. Like, Mm -hmm. Isabella, like, her reputation is ruined. Even in back in this book with the Dalrymples, Daddy Elliot and Elizabeth just, like, follow them around like puppies. Yeah. And it's so... It's kind of, like, embarrassing. Yeah. Like, it's definitely not a way that you want to live your life. So I think Austin was making a point about not kotoing to the Dalrymples and whoever has any status above them or any money more than them. Mm And that's just not a good way to live. It's very embarrassing because they, they just I don't have like any self-respect. All, yeah, exactly. Like you could not have Maybe any money. Just... And if you just don't act like that, like at least you have your self-respect. Yeah. 
I think maybe this is just an Elliot issue where like mm-hmm. they on some level lack yeah. self-respect sometimes. Yeah. But there's also this interesting dynamic going back to Pride and Prejudice where Collins, Mr. Collins, he mm-hmm. is very much like an Elliot, even though he doesn't, I guess they're not on similar levels, but they have that same just like obsequiousness mm-hmm. where they just keep... Yeah, being like they just need attention from those who are better than them, and even the Bennets. And they also think that that gives them like status or something to lord over someone else. Yeah, but even the Bennets, who at least Darcy said that they were embarrassing, like they don't do that to Lady Catherine. Like they're respectful, but I do feel like Mrs. Bennet does kind of do that. (laughs) Yeah, but but like in a in an embarrassing way. Yeah, but I still think it's just not as bad. Yeah, but I think it's more of like, oh, you're rich. Wow. Yeah. And not like, oh my God, it's, anything she's not trying you want. To, yeah, like she's not trying to like ingratiate herself. Mm-hmm. Like she knows that she's bound for the hedgerows and mm-hmm. she's just trying her darndest to not end up in the hedgerows. So she does what she has to. Yeah. It's not like a, oh, I want like a little bit more notice in the ton. Yeah. Okay, so in conclusion, <laughs> no plot, just angst. Anne and Wentworth, very cute, but Wentworth is like, to me, Wentworth is a little bit arguable as like a good person. And to Annabelle, Anne is a little bit arguable as a good heroine. We are not the exact same person, which is an interesting thing to learn. Um, <laughs> Wentworth's letter is a fucking banger. That's what we agree um, on. <laughs> yes, we do agree. You pierce Firm my soul. Stance. I am half agony, half hope. Those be the lines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do, in fact, be the lines. <laughs> they do. And there's an interesting dichotomy between love and status in this book. Anything to add, Annabelle? Yeah, we also had that big discussion on how we don't think that this is one of her strongest books because the characters are not very strong and because there's no plot there ain't no plot (laughs) yeah because there's no plot the characters are all we have Mm -hmm. so if they're not strong like the angst was strong but that was that was about it it's still it's still an interesting read though still Mm -hmm. a worthwhile read i think this one i would generally recommend to people i would too it's like short yeah it's pretty basic Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree yeah we also talked about the moral. Oh, yeah. Which we kind of are like, we don't really know. Don't be persuaded, but also respect, respect your, family? your family. Arguable. Jane Austen, what are you trying to tell us? Yeah, I don't think we'd get an A on that paper, but this isn't for school, so it's fine. That wraps up a little discussion. summary. Yeah. yeah. Annabelle, what are you reading? So, what am I reading? You know, I don't know what I'm reading either. Oh, I'm reading Her Body and Other Parties, Mm -hmm. which is a collection of short stories. I believe I mentioned it a few episodes ago, and at that point I had only read one short story, and I think I've read four, Mm -hmm. maybe five now. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I liked the first, like, two stories, I think, and I don't know. The last one I read, I did not like. Oh, the one I'm currently reading is very strange. I don't know. I'm having, like, mixed feelings about this, which is really weird because I thought I was going to really like this. So I'm feeling very conflicted, but I have hopes that some of the later stories I'll still enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's just very strange. Like, all the stories are very odd. Yeah. Which usually I'm fine with odd things, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm vibing with this one in particular. Anything else I'm reading? I don't know. I am yeah. exactly one chapter into Mansfield Park. Oh, yeah. your thoughts. Okay, so I also read the introduction, which is like the academic reading of it. I actually really enjoy those in a lot of books now that I'm an adult. 
with a brain, kind of sometimes. Before you were young and did not have a brain? Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I was like, ah, this is stupid. I just want to read the book. But now I like reading the introductions because it kind of like gets me prepared for what I should look for, especially in classics, which I recognize makes me sound obnoxious, but or not obnoxious, just annoying. Okay, but if you, Nerdy. sometimes if you go into it blind, you don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what's the purpose of this? Yeah, but between the first chapter and that introduction, it kind of gives off Jane Eyre vibes. Oh, I definitely think so, based on the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to read more, and I feel like that's going to be a big part of our next episode when we talk about it, but it's very, not, I wouldn't say it's super interesting so far, but I am intrigued. And then I started reading Wallbanger, and I thought that there would be a lot more banging by now. I am 30% in, what? and yeah, they haven't even gotten together yet. I thought they'd have one spicy scene already, like, you know, of, some, of some capacity. Like, they don't yeah, have to... Yeah, like, together. Like, but right now, basically, it's just, like, they're friends because the wall between their apartments is very thin, and she could hear him getting it on, and she, like, confronted him, and then there's, like, a little bit of tension there because they both were like, oh, they're hot. And they're like friends and their friends are friends are going out with each other. So it's like it's like a thing, but it's just like a very, very slow build. So, yeah, so that's disappointing, but I'm going to keep working on it at some point when my brain wants to read something. And then I'm reading The Girl and the Goddess, which, again, I have not picked up in a while, but I'm committed to finishing this book. So I will soon. Okay, honestly, listening to you and I talk about what books we're reading, I'm honestly shocked that we read this many books this year because <laughs> it sounds like we don't read. <laughs> it's the same book over and over again. Okay, I would just like to put in the disclaimer that I have read over 260 books this year, but <laughs> November, I pretty much only read poetry collections that were like 50 to 100 pages. And most of them were insta poetry. So And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing I fully respect insta poets. Some of them I, I like more than others, but I just your girl cannot focus on a thing. Attention span is gone. It's completely shot. And don't feel bad that you can't read two hundred books because, you know, some of us some of us think we have lofty goals and then Sarah comes through and is like, Ah oh, yeah, two hundred and I'm like, um Okay. I Okay Pretty much all I did for multiple months was just read all day, every day. Same, but like. Okay, but I'm also like an aggressively fast reader. You can't argue with that. Yeah, I literally can't because I don't know how you did that. Yeah. Okay, those are the books we're reading. Yeah. And how our reading is going. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode and be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our username is on.our.shelves. We post book reviews, recommendations, and more. And a really exciting thing that we're doing this month is that we're a part of Dressember. So we'd really appreciate it if you would share and donate if possible. Mm -hmm. You'll also find the link to donate on our Instagram. We'd really appreciate your support. And be sure to tune in next episode where we'll be chatting about... Mansfield Park, which will be our final book-related episode. Very exciting. Woo woo. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode, and thanks for listening to us share what's on our shelves.